Hey everyone, I wanted to take a moment and let you know that starting in January, we will be moving the show to Mondays. Our hope is that this will give you time during your work commute to give us a listen instead of having to wait for the weekend. The first episode in 2021 will air on January 4th, where my wife Bethany and I will be discussing the rarely known as a comic book movie, Josie and the Pussycats. So start looking for the show to drop on Mondays. In fact, let's start calling them Moving Panel Mondays. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Welcome to this Christmas one-shot of moving panels. Now this one's just going to be me. I'm going to take this one solo, and I'm going to walk you through one of the earliest Christmas stories in the world of superheroes, the 1940 Superman's Christmas Adventure. Now, this is a 15-page story that was released in December of 1940 as a store giveaway. If you look up pictures of the cover, you're going to see a big white box in the bottom corner, and it's usually going to say something like, Merry Christmas from Macy's, or... Some other store. The story is written by Superman creator Jerry Siegel, uh, but the artwork is done by Jack Burnley. They also released this story in a set of three records, uh, part one and part two, part three and part four, part five and part six, and they were on the little 78s. They were actually done by the Superman cast of the radio show, so Bud Collier, the infamous voice of Superman from back in the day, the first guy to ever play Superman. Uh, he was also from the Fleischer uh, animated cartoons that um, many of you are probably familiar with. So let me go ahead and tell you, this isn't our normal review, so I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. This is not a good read in any way, shape, or form. If you want to do it for the humor, it's what uh, another podcast that I listen to calls a good bad. It's funny to read. It is not a good read, though. This is clearly something that was made that they knew they weren't really going to sell. Again, it was a giveaway. So the story in it, there's no cohesiveness. There's no really rhyme or reason to a lot of the things that happen. And that's kind of what we're going to get into. So sit back, uh, get you some hot cocoa, relax and enjoy as I walk you through Superman's Christmas Adventure. So, the first panel shows Santa with his reindeer and sleigh flying over houses while Superman flies by and he's waving and he's perfectly framed by the moon. But I want to give you the very first little box that tells you what you're, you're in for. And this is what it says. Yuletide. Period of gaiety and goodwill among men. It seems hardly possible that anyone could be so mean as to sabotage such a beloved event. But Dr. Grouch, gloomy killjoy plans to do just that. It remains for Superman to demonstrate that those scoundrels may seek to undermine all that Xmas signifies, the triumphant spirit of Christmas shall exist eternally. Now, I wanted to specifically say Xmas because it actually uses that in this. It says Xmas, and then the very next line uses the word Christmas. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I kind of thought maybe for spacing, but I'm like, there's extra space here. They could have written out the word. 
Uh, but moving on. So we now go to the Daily Planet, where Perry. we find out that Perry White needs the weather to remember when Christmas is. Because he actually says, like, this wintry weather reminds me that Christmas is soon. Okay, come on, Perry. There's a calendar. Uh, you're in December. Christmas usually always comes same time every year. Uh, but he asked Lois and Clark to do an article about the Christmas displays at local department stores. Yeah, that's some hard-hitting journalism right there. So they go out and about, and they run into a poor boy who is named Billy Connolly. Now, how they know he's poor, I have no idea. Lois says something about him having ragged clothes, but the way he's drawn, I mean, he's got a collared shirt. It, it looks fine. I don't get it. But his name is Billy Connolly, who, and he lives on Drake Street. Now, how do we know that? Well, because Clark says it, but the boy never did. How Clark knew it, we don't know. Apparently Superman has some sort of mind-reading powers that we were not familiar with prior to this. Uh, it's a little iffy, but Billy Connolly, poor kid. So Lois and Clark decide that what they want to do for the needy children in Metropolis is they're going to ask the readers of the Daily Planet to donate some old toys, they're going to repair them, and they're going to give to the children in need. So in other words, Lois and Clark invented toys for tots. I do question, though, how close is this to Christmas? Because you realize they have to write this up, put it into the Daily Planet, which is a newspaper, probably have it go out the next day if they're lucky. Then the readers would read it. They would have to go find some toys. They would have to get the toys to the Daily Planet. Lois and Clark, who apparently are the only ones who work there, would be the ones who fix them up. And then they've got to be able to distribute them, so... I don't know what's happening here or exactly what our time frame is, but that's the plan. All right. Now, hard cut all of a sudden. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, Santa is reading the Daily Planet and learns of what Lois and Clark are doing. I question this so much. So Santa's at the North Pole. That is not in, quote unquote, North America. And even if exactly what is Santa's nationality and this is definitely Americanized why does Santa care about the newspaper in Metropolis but not anywhere else or does he read newspapers from all over the world so a strange little thing here that Santa just happens to be reading the Daily Planet and finds out about Lois and Clark and what they're doing so hard cut back to Metropolis and Clark is just casually walking down the street and then goes, huh, here's an apartment. I'm going to use my x-ray vision to look into it. Now, they told us that it is a sumptuous apartment, meaning it, it looks very expensive. But there's no other reason why Clark, a.k.a. Superman, would just randomly look into this apartment. But he does because of <laughs> comics. We got to move the story along. So now introduce another kid, but this is a rich kid by the name of James Daniels, who is being very mean to his butler. He's breaking a toy train that you find out his father gave to him, and he's yelling that he wants a motorboat or maybe a yacht. I don't know what you're going to do with a yacht, but all right. So Clark thinks, oh, I've got to do something about this. So he changes into Superman. He breaks into James's bedroom in the middle of the night, and he kidnaps him. I'm not kidding, folks. He kidnaps him. The panel literally says, 
James awakens to see a cloaked figure beside his bed. That means Superman sneaks in in the darkness. And then Superman says, Wake up, James. You're coming with me. Again, Superman just kidnapped this kid. He picks him up. He flies away with him. And then Superman says in the next panel, Don't be frightened. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm pretty sure James has probably already wet his pajamas by this point. He even stutters out a, well, where are you taking me? So James is terrified at this moment. So Superman then flies him to a, a window of another building. He shows him a little girl playing with a broken doll. Realized that here is Superman, this little boy just hanging on the wall outside her window. This little girl had turned to look out the window. She, just like James, would have wet herself. They then fly over to show another boy, um, who Billy says is his own age. And that little boy is crying in his bed. And we discover as the reader that it's Billy from earlier. However, the panel shows the window is behind Billy, and Billy is facing away from the window. So how exactly James knows that the boy is not only his own age, but that he's also crying? Not exactly sure. But Superman then flies James back to his home. James realizes, wow, you know, I've got a lot more than than I thought, and there's so many people with so little. So thank you, Superman, for shaming me into learning this lesson. Meanwhile, back at the North Pole, that's right, another hard cut back to the North Pole, and we've got a skyship heading towards Santa's Toy Factory. Introduce the villains of this story, the wonderfully named Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie. Yes, Dr. Grouch and Mr. Meanie. Could have just called him Scrooge and Snowmiser. I mean, come on. So all we know is that they hate Christmas, and they want to talk Santa out of giving away toys. That's it. That's their motivation. That's, that's all we get. Okay? So they land. They enter uh, Santa's factory. Santa welcomes them in, because this is apparently a natural occurrence for him, and decides to give them a tour. And what do they see? They see a bunch of Superman toys, because as Santa says, Superman is very popular this year. And he mentions some of the toys, but one of them I want to point out is he mentions that they have a crypto ray gun. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because as we know, kryptonite is what hurts Superman. So if Santa's making a ray gun that fires kryptonite, is Sa does Santa like Superman or doesn't like Superman? Is this something we could maybe come back to in another installment? But moving on. Grouch wants to use Santa's factory for commercial products. And this is the most uh, American business, whatever you want to say here, even now that we're talking 80 plus years later. Grouch says to Santa, We demand that you conform to our way of thinking or suffer the consequences. Yeah, take your, uh, take your own political thoughts there. Uh, but... The elves attach, uh, attack Grouch and Meanie with pop guns and what appears to be 
cattle prods. As they call them in the comic, they are charged electric rods. I'm pretty sure that's a cattle prod. So Grouch and Meanie get back in their ship. They fly away. And they just decide, okay, well that didn't work. Let's go after the Daily Planet's department for distributing toys. I have to pause again. That's a thing that people know about? Lois and Clark come up with this idea, and not only is it an idea, but they have a a physical name department now of the Daily Planet called the Department for Distributing Toys. Moving on. Grouch and Meanie then break in and attack Lois and Clark with a gas gun. Of course, Clark has to pretend to be knocked out by gas. And Lois tears off Dr. Grouch's mask that he's wearing and goes, It's Dr. Grouch! Who is this guy? We've never seen him before. He's never been in another Superman comic. So how does Lois even know who he is? But they gas gun Lois. Lois goes out. Mr. Meanie starts a fire. Because he wants to burn down the toy department, but I can't help but think this is also attempted murder. As far as they know, Lois and Clark are now unconscious in this room that they have just set on fire. But of course, Clark is Superman. He gets up, he blows out the fire, and as he sees Lois is coming too, instead of going, Oh, Lois, you came too. I just woke up a few minutes ago. He just decides to fake pass out again. Uh, Lois then wakes Clark up, and she decides to go after Dr. Grouch. Now, along the way, she lets out some exposition revealing that she also knows the other guy's Mr. Meanie, which again made me go, who are these guys that th- she knows who they are? Anyway, Grouch and Meanie go back to their laboratory, because apparently that's what villains do, and they turn on the TV because they want to see the news about the fire. Now, that would be news, but instead they see Clark wrapping toys. What exactly the news story is here, and the chances that that was on the moment they turned it on, don't know. But they decide, okay, that didn't work, now let's just head back to the North Pole, because it worked so well the first time. Uh, Along the way, Mr. Meanie actually says he wants to wring the neck of every doll. Folks, Mr. Meanie's got some problems. I'm a little worried here. Hopefully, he'll get some help. So, Lois sneaks aboard their skyship, and later, at the North Pole, Grouch gas guns the elf on guard. You heard me say that. Elf on guard. Not only is there an elf that is guarding the factory, but it is only one elf. Singular. So they break in very easily, obviously, and they start to destroy the toys. They discover Lois, but let me point something out, 1940s comic book here. They never refer to her as Lois. We only know Lois because it's said in the the narration. They call her the girl reporter. She knows their names, but apparently they don't know hers or... She's just too low for them to even have a name because never once in the rest of this comic will they ever call her Lois. But anyway, they grab Lois and they tie her to a giant skyrocket <laughs> because comics. Um, Let me point out that this is also attempted murder number two for Lois. 
apparently we just have to keep putting Lois in peril so that Superman can come to save the day. But this is definitely murder. In fact, Mr. Meany even says that they're going to quote-unquote dispose of her. Uh, so, yeah. Merry Christmas. So, back in Santa's shop, Grouch and Meany start breaking all of the toys. There is an alarm that alerts Santa. And Santa signals the toys to come to life. Let me, let me say that again. Santa signals the toys to come to life. Santa has that ability? And since he does, is that not the most terrifying thing you could ever think of? Is that not, uh, that is a horror movie someone needs to create. That Santa can signal toys to come to life. Yeah. Alright, so Grouch and Meanie retreat for the second time. This is the fun part. Dr. Grouch then says, We will take off as they expect. When they relax their guard, we will return. Then you will see for yourself the stroke of a mastermind. Um, Grouch, isn't that what already happened? You came, you got run off by the elves, you went away. They apparently let down their guard because they only had one elf uh, standing guard. And you came back, didn't work. Alright, at this point, Clark has now realized that Lois is missing. He sees her on the rocket with his telescopic vision, which is impressive to me that he's able to find her, because I don't know about you, but I just put on a pair of binoculars, and it takes me a minute to realize what I'm looking at. Uh, But he saves her, and he sets her down on the roof of the Daily Planet. Why not set her all the way down at the front door? I don't know, but puts her on the roof of the Daily Planet. Now, Dr. Grouch sees this happening through an Ultra Telescope. So, I guess it's better than Superman's vision. Uh, again, how he found it, found her to see it, I don't know. But once again, refers to her as that girl reporter. So guess what they do? Uh-huh, gotta do it again. They kidnap Lois. Why? Comics. So, Meanie, that's what, so Grouch has kidnapped Lois. Meanie is sent to kidnap Santa's reindeer. And when Santa finds out, you know what he does? He just gives up. Uh, He doesn't seem to really care anymore. He thinks Christmas is now completely ruined, that they've gotten the upper hand. Uh, Don't know what made the difference here. But the elves go, whoa, 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 whoa. It's it's not over yet. They suggest, hey, why don't you contact Superman? Superman saves people all the time. So Santa sends a distress call from his radio station, because that's a thing Santa has in, in, uh, in the North Pole. And... Apparently, it's a station you can just be listening to because that's exactly what Clark is doing at the time. And even though Clark makes some comment about he thinks it could be a joke, he decides, eh, I'm just going to fly to North Pole anyway. So I'm a little confused as to whether or not in this universe, does Santa exist or not? Uh, Very confusing. So Superman arrives at the North Pole. Doesn't seem phased at all that he's meeting Santa. Again, going into my... Okay, so does Santa exist? Uh, they clearly have never met because they there's a line about that. And then Santa remi- has to remind Superman that it's Christmas Eve. Pretty much says, I can't do anything and, and it's Christmas Eve. Be- apparently no one owns a calendar. No one knows what day it is. Uh, this is something that apparently never happens. 
Uh, oh my god, it's Christmas Eve. I didn't know that it was December 24th. So Superman, once again, somehow just locates uh, who he needs to locate in a blink of an eye. So he locates Meanie driving a truck. Why he's not in the skyship, I don't know. He's driving a truck, reindeer in the back. He picks the truck up and flies it to the North Pole. Why he didn't just take the reindeer and leave Meanie, I don't know. But again, comics, because what should happen, they arrive. When they release the reindeer, Meanie jumps out and uses his gas gun on the reindeer. And why did I say reindeer so funny? He uses the gas gun on the reindeer. And then Santa went, well, that's it. It's over. It's so over. Although based on what the gas gun did to Lois earlier, the reindeer should wake up in a couple of minutes and be perfectly fine. So they really just needed to wait. But Superman decides, you know what? I'll fly Santa. Um, I'll, I'll just pick up the sleigh and fly him around. Let's load it up. He tosses Meanie in the back. Again, why? Why, why do you keep bringing the bad guy with you? And then Super, <laughs> Superman's flying the sleigh. And Santa goes, only Superman could perform this feat. Uh, no, Santa, that that's what the reindeer do every year. So, yeah. Uh, but they arrive at Dr. Grouch's house, and what do they do? They toss Meanie from the sleigh headfirst down the chimney. So I guess the attempted murder has now gone the other way. Um, but Meanie, of course, survives the fall and lets Grouch know, you know, Superman and Santa have foiled our plans. Uh, but they still have the girl reporter, a.k.a. Lois. <laughs> What's funny, then, is that they are surprised to find out that Santa and Superman are in their house. We were literally just told they were outside. We we know they were outside, and Santa's notorious for being able to get into houses, and Superman, I don't think anything could stop him either. But we then discover that Santa is leaving Grouch and Meanie gifts, as he says, despite all the harm they've done. Uh, and the vandalism, arson, and, you know, a couple counts of attempted murder. Uh, but then Santa says, I'm sure there is some good in both Grouch and Meanie. Again, Santa attempted murder? And let's not forget, Lois is somewhere in that house, locked up. But Grouch and Meanie can't believe it. Santa is leaving them the first presents they ever got. So... Did Santa not know who they were before now? Has Santa never left them presents? I'm kind of starting to feel for Grouch and Meanie here and starting to kind of understand why they hated Christmas so much. But also, if Santa actually exists in this world and he just gives gifts to kids, let's go back to that poor kid. Why doesn't Billy Connolly have any toys? It wouldn't matter him being poor, because Santa gives gifts, right? I, I don't know. But, um, amazingly, Grouch says, oh, You know what? I'm going to be good now. And he shakes Santa's hand. <laughs> then they release Lois, and Lois, who, let me point out, has, they tried to knock her out with gas and burn her. They tried to launch her to a rocket and launch her to the heavens. Um, they have now kidnapped her and locked her away to do Lord knows whatever. Lois now says, there's no apology necessary. If you've got the true Christmas spirit, I'm satisfied. Uh-huh. Lois, he tried to murder you. Anyway, uh, so Lois, Superman, and Santa finished distributing the toys. Uh, wait, 
weren't the toys destroyed by Grouch and Meanie earlier? And let me just point out, this is the one time that Superman finally leaves Grouch and Meanie, so after all they've done, we're just gonna, eh, eh, we're good, we're square. Okay. So, back to the story that kind of bookends this, Superman returns to James, you know the rich kid, returns back to his apartment, James and his butler are carrying out a bunch of presents, and he says, I've learned that it's better to give than to receive. And then we get the end. There is one last panel, just as Superman saying, I hope all you readers will remember to be generous, and to those less fortunate than yourselves. And now, Merry Christmas to you, and a Happy New Year. And that is Superman's Christmas Adventure from 1940. Uh, That was pretty much the entire comic. Feel free to find it. Uh, It is on DC Universe if you have a subscription or know someone who does, and you can read a digital copy of it. Uh, get a hold of the the 78s or see if you can't find the audio. This is a crazy story, folks. It is so, so weird. I wanted to share it with you this holiday time. Superman's first encounter with Santa Claus, to my knowledge. His first Christmas adventure. And really one of the first Christmas stories ever in superheroes, comics, And so I thought that would be a good one to share right here on the first uh, Christmas since I started this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It gives you something to think about. And I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. We do have another episode, a Christmas episode, coming next week, so I hope you listen. But for now, I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Hello movie viewers and fellow movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams and I'm the creator and host of Movie Views Presents the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. See, I love the 80s and I have a great appreciation and nostalgic passion for the classic 80s flicks that birthed my love for movies and ultimately helped shape my childhood. On each episode, I'll discuss, with a special guest co-host of course, a different film from the 1980s. We'll share memories, favorite characters, iconic scenes, and even share some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. We'll discuss famous blockbusters like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Coming to America, Ghostbusters, Dirty Dancing, Top Gun, Die Hard, and many, many more, as well as some other cult classics and even lesser-known flicks we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores. Remember those? No matter what 80s flick we choose to talk about, we'll always have a good time, so come and check us out. You can find the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast on major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. Be sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss a single episode. Once again, I'm Tim Williams, and I hope you'll join me for the next 80s Flick Flashback.